Hey everyone and welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. Uh, Ryan and I are still arguing over which anime podcast should be done next. So Kado. in the meantime, Kado. No, I want to do like, dude. Okay, fine. We'll do Kado next. But you will like it. I promise. You will like it. Okay. Well, but at least I, I, until I, I, the end. <laughs> I was very disappointed <laughs> by the end, but up until that point, it's really cool. <laughs> Okay, okay. So, well, in the meantime, we've decided to do another uh, themed news episode. Um, the the one we did last time on cars went really well, so we figured uh, if it ain't broke, um, why fuck with it? Uh, so, yeah. Um, what are we doing this week? Uh, well, let's, let's just cover uh, some big news first, uh, which is that... Uh, yesterday, Thursday, the 26th, uh, Facebook stock lost $120 billion in value, uh, which is the largest oh. drop in value of, of any extant company uh, by a margin of one-third. So, like, the next highest was $90 billion, which was Intel in 2000. Um, <laughs> and to just solidify how much money this is, uh, over 90% of the top... 500 corporations are worth less than 120 billion dollars so they lost more value for their stock than most companies are even worth total that's fantastic it is and um, this is this is this is music i like (laughs) uh so the reason for this is that uh active users were slightly below the expected numbers um both metrics used for uh, active users were about 200 million below expectations. So the expected number was 2.25 billion. They only made uh, they only made it up to 2.23 billion. Um, revenue per user was slightly higher, but not enough to make up for the shortfall of users. So um, shareholders have decided that that's unforgivable and uh, dropped the value of the stock by 120 billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> U.S. News called the fall a bit silly um, since they just had a really good quarter before this one. Um, And the author noted that Facebook has several other major assets in earlier stages of monetization like WhatsApp, Instagram, and Oculus, and that it was still a good long-term stock. Wait, I I had no idea that um, Facebook had bought Oculus. Yeah, I think that was uh, a while ago, actually. I think they bought that pretty pretty early on. Oh, there goes fucking Oculus. I want to use something else now. Um, Steam VR. Yeah, it, I don't know. Nah, Steam it, sucks it, too, though. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fun, I'm sure, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed. Obviously, Instagram has. I, I don't know how they can say it's in the earlier stages of monetization. Instagram has been monetized for a while. I think what they mean by that is uh, they don't have over a billion users like Facebook does. There's not much. Well, there's they, there's well, less the growth potential in Facebook than there is in um, Instagram, for sure. Okay, yeah, no, that I can understand. WhatsApp, on the other hand, is huge. It, it almost rivals um, Facebook for usership. So... I think what they mean there is their plans to um, put advertising in the app, which will suck major balls. Yeah. 
Well, maybe this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, well, don't buy a, Facebook stock. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't don't buy Facebook stock. That's that's really don't do it. We don't need to give more money to rich assholes. Yeah. Okay, so um, now that that news is out of the way, we'll we'll, we'll get on with um, content for today, which is uh, all centered around taxation. Um, that that wonderful thing that everybody loves, obviously. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about how it's theft and how the Federal Reserve is uh, an evil institution that steals your money so that it can yeah. uh, issue fiat currency, which is just debt. And they yes. use that to fund uh, wars and and also um, social benefit programs, which are which are bad um, because the yes. free market should take care of that. Yeah, that uh, I mean, in all honesty, in all honesty, uh, you know, I I think they should just um, they should sell their shares in the social programs um, back to George Soros. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's his program; he he should be allowed to own it. If um, if we thought the social programs were so valuable, then we would voluntarily pay for them. Exactly. Exactly. I'm 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 shocked there are people out there who don't understand that. I know. Well, it's all <sighs> the status propaganda. Anyway, uh, tax news. Okay, so when the state isn't controlling its citizenry through through laws um, or, or regulations on industry that let corporations act as bureaus of the state, uh, you can go back to one of our previous episodes um, and, if you don't understand that bit. Um, and, and when people don't obey the authority of the state directly, the state often chooses to control people's behavior through taxes. Um, so, so today we're going to have a look at how the world controls its population through taxes using just a few um, news headlines uh, from the last month or so um, of tax news from around the world. And uh, we'll start over in India, where they've just scrapped... Um, what's become known as the tampon tax. Um, Sanitary pads were taxed at 12% under India's goods and services tax, uh, which was launched in July of last year. Uh, That would be 2017. Um, The decision back then triggered major protests and petitions and court cases that questioned why the government taxed pads as a luxury item rather than an essential item, such as condoms, which are tax-free. Um, now, Yeah, they tried to do that over here, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really strange to me. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, the good thing um, about it is that it's deeply unpopular, except among, like, you know, right-wing the same people. and politicians. Basically, the people in power. So that's, I guess, that oh, is. Oh yeah. wait, yeah, yeah, it it's problematic. <laughs> um, so the reason why this is um, a major issue, other than the obvious reasons, is that more than a third of the girls in South Asia um, miss school during their periods um, because they lack access to toilets or pads. And, and, and many of them receive no education about menstruation before they reach puberty. Um, and, and, and I mean, there, there are reports by um, WaterAid and UNICEF that, that have shown that they miss out on up to three months 
of the year of their education because of this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, well done, India, for finally fucking waking up. Um, that's about the best I can say about India at this point. Uh, yeah. I Take mean, this, that, this whole thing, <laughs> this whole thing, it really, it pisses me off. Um, yeah, uh, all the news stories that we're uh, mentioning today will be on the show notes, so you can all read about them in your own time as well. Uh, we're just gonna we're gonna gloss over some of the key points of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I think they should do the opposite of that. They should subsidize tampons and pads. I I think that's a that, like if we're gonna pay taxes for shit, um, then. Yeah, <laughs> come on, <laughs> it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that the patriarchal right wingers will will take exception to this because they've never used a sanitary pad, um, at all. So yeah. there's that problem. But I really don't give a fuck about them. So. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, actually, no. Let me rephrase that. I would be surprised if none of the right wingers in the government have ever. Uh, soaked a tampon in alcohol and shoved it up their ass. I would be very surprised if none of them have done that. I'm, I'm, I, this is going to sound a little bit strange, but I, I firmly believe that Peter Thiel, um, notorious vampire, of course, uh, has a collection of used tampons that he uses for tea. So, um, possible. Yeah. I, I I don't think that's just possible. I think that's. I was raising like my eyebrow a little bit because I was like, "This could easily turn into a homophobic joke." <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't make homophobic jokes. Um, and when I do, I foist them off on someone else uh, because <laughs> that would be problematic. And I like our follower account on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. add that add that to the leftist platform. Um, free tampons. <laughs> Not, oh, not Peter Thiel that. drinking <laughs> these tampons. <laughs> Although that, that that could get us some votes, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Force Peter Thiel <laughs> to drink tampon tea. Yeah, that would get us votes. God, I'm, I, I'm trying to picture the reaction and now I don't want to. Um, okay, so moving right on to the next story. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take this one? Okay. Um yeah. British tax hikes on the way... Uh, I don't really understand the sentence, actually. So maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so British tax hikes are on the way uh, ahead of an uncertain Brexit oh, future. Oh, are on the way. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and I, I write the headlines like newspapers write headlines. You know, it's going to be catchy, dude. Newspapers you can't... are really bad at writing headlines. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, I know, but people have spent decades reading newspapers because of uh, the way headlines are written. They're, nah, I don't they're, read they're no the newspaper. Whole... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're a millennial. I still read newspapers. I'm sad and lonely. Anyway, a tax on the rich is not going to be enough to meet the demand for £20 billion extra on health spending by the end of the parliament. Uh, let alone the cost of extra police officers to tackle a significant rise in crime, higher social care funding, and a boost to the defense budget. I don't think that's true at all, because 
uh, they use the Great British Pound. So they're not in the, I mean, they're in the Eurozone, but they're not using the Euro. So what is the limitation on spending that the government has? Um, I think it's got to do with, sorry, I need to think of something here quickly that, that sounds plausible because there is no actual reason. Um, the, the, the optics, let's go with that. It, it doesn't look good when they just print extra money for themselves. If they, if they issue too much money, it's going to cause a six or eggies to cost too much. That, that, that's exactly right, governor. <laughs> That was uh, it's too much. It's too much money to print, isn't it? When uh, when Brexit happened, there was this there was this famous video of uh, this guy like asking his girlfriend like why why did you vote for Brexit? Like, what was your reason for voting for Brexit? And she was like, Oh, you know, I I don't want a sixer of eggies to cost too much at the Tesco. And he's like, <laughs> What are you talking about? That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> She's like, Well, I don't know. Uh, He's like, God, you're fucking stupid, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about. They've got their own YouTube channel, and yeah. it's forever him bringing up stuff that makes her look ridiculously stupid. Yeah. yeah. I feel bad and for her, he, honestly, but... <laughs> but at the same time... I also kind of don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but you kind of brought this on it. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so basically the Chancellor um, has already apparently tapped extra revenues from... Uh, what are known as stealth taxes, uh, which are, um, which many Brits don't even know are, are surcharges, um, that started being used under Gordon Brown's reign, um, at, at, at uh, is it prime minister? Cause they don't have a president, right? Yeah. Prime minister. Um, yeah. So Brits are all paying higher insurance premiums thanks to sharp increases in insurance premium tax in the last two years. Um, and this revenue stream has apparently helped the public finances, but apparently it's just been a drop in the ocean. Um, after eight years of austerity, there are holes in public services that need filling, um, and it's going to take a lot of money to do it. Uh, likewise, welfare benefits are crying out for cash injection, if only to keep pace with inflation, because, you know, like, apparently governments don't don't even think about the fact that uh, if inflation keeps going up, but your minimum wage level and your your um, social safety net doesn't go up, then you, you you pull the strings tighter on the poor. So basically, yeah, I mean, unlike unlike uh, central bank interest rates, the process of the NHS negotiating to pay like any private parts of the healthcare system should be able to control inflation because they have more power to decide what the price of goods is that they will pay. So like yeah. why why should they have to worry about inflation at all? Well, you know? uh, again, it's um it plays into this whole dichotomy the false dichotomy of state versus private and um you know they can't be too obvious about the fact that prices are set by private industry and they have to make it look like increasing the money supply 
will will push up the inflation rate. Yeah, because that's the that, that's the neoclassical theory, um, and, and it, it's what neoliberalism sells itself on is, is that all these these theories are are how economics actually works. And, and I mean, ninety nine percent of the global population has no fucking clue how economics works. And so they, they take the things that are said by the talking heads um, as gospel truth because these are the experts, right? Uh, and so, yeah, it, like it doesn't make sense for them to, to be honest about the fact that all they really need to do is print some extra money. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I'm glad that the left still doesn't understand this generally that yeah i'm and i'm not gonna lie to you it is one of the most frustrating things yeah um, about discourse among the left is how many of them well basically and, and actual all, practice yeah <laughs> like worse yeah, than yeah. just discourse is the actual practice where like yeah, our actual they, policy proposal oh let's we need to raise taxes so that we can pay for this no we don't we don't need to raise that's, taxes at all. That's not how it works. <laughs> we should because we should be taxing the rich to steal their money and make them less rich, but we don't need it to fund social programs. That's ridiculous, especially Indeed. with central banking systems. Like, That's literally the reason that central banks were created. Like, The Bank of England was created because the British government was not able to collect enough finances to fund the expansion of the British Navy and by capitalizing on the future power of the British government and its ability to, you know, uh, to take resources with its Navy, it created the bank of England in order to finance its construction, which, Hey, it worked out because they colonized all these places and got all this wealth to, um, you know, make their economic system functional. Exactly. So yeah, so it, it, it what it comes down to basically is just everyone on are assholes. Yeah. Um, because they can fix the problems. It, these are these are very fixable problems, but the, the the their purpose is not to fix the problem. If you listen to the show and you say, if I see you saying that we need to raise taxes to fund spending on the national government level, I will personally find you and kill you. <laughs> and, and, and then, um, after that, I will personally hunt down your IP address <laughs> and, and, and block it from ever being able to listen to our show again, because <laughs> you've probably spread your propaganda to, other people who will then not be able to find us and then go looking on your PC and fuck that. <laughs> yeah, take that. <laughs> yeah, Ryan might kill you, but I'll do worse things like block your IP. <laughs> we could be killed or worse, IP banned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Okay, moving on to the next story. I want to talk about Hungary's propaganda tax. Um, I'm hungry. Hungary's <laughs> the nation of Hungary, um, which which I've always found which, to be a hilarious name. Which nation is Hungary? Um, we should send them, them food. 
Yeah, all of them, all of them, <laughs> literally. Uh, but I, but I this sounds, you said it's a nation of hungry, like like it's an entire nation of people that are hungry. That's fucked up, dude. Okay, so where were we? We were talking about Hungary's um, propaganda tax. The the Eastern European nation known as Hungary. Um, oh yeah. Oh, Hungary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why didn't you yeah. say so? I thought I did, but okay, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, their parliament has continued the country's crackdown on migrants by adopting a law that imposes a tax of 25% on non-governmental organizations if they engage in propaganda activity that portrays immigration in a positive light. Oh, that's cool. It's, it's so awesome. If you make a pro-immigration advert, you're going to get... Uh, 25% ta- uh, more tax than than when a government makes anti-immigration propaganda. It, it's so awesome. It's I'm glad the Nazis are continuing thing. their crusade in favor of free speech. Exactly. That's really cool. Now, the, le- the, legis- the legislation was approved on Friday during an emergency session um, and by Friday I mean one week ago Um alongside amendments to the tax code um, and the national budget for the next year. Its adoption is a defiant move coming one day after the European Commission initiated infringement procedures against Hungary because of the adoption of a package of laws known as Stop Soros, uh, which the EU's executive says are incompatible with the bloc's legal standards. So, just to be clear, there have Hungary has adopted these laws that are known as the Stop Soros laws, which are all essentially anti-immigration. Um, these are the same block of laws that are being tweaked and adopted by Italy. It's the same laws that are being tweaked and adopted, um, or are or, or, or the the major platform for the the candidates running on the right wing in Spain. Um, and, and as the right wing uh, is, is rising throughout Europe, um, the, the, the Stop Soros laws are, are like, they've become a blanket platform for everyone to tweak as they see fit and, and uh, wrap themselves around uh, the, the EU's um, the, the European Commission saying that all of these things are terrible. So, man, this yeah. country sucks dick. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Um, and, and unfortunately it's not just them. It's, it's pretty much the whole world is seeing a rise in right wing activity. Um, Europe is particularly yeah, but I've never seen a stop Soros tax even being proposed. <laughs> That's uh, or law. I mean, like Jesus well, fucking well, Christ, dude. I think it's just become so commonplace um, in in Europe that they sort of have have given it all a name um, because it, all these laws tend to be enacted in similar ways. Um, but in, in a, a, a big batch. So when you look at, uh, uh, you, you can look across the pond over at the U S and see 
very similar laws being pushed by the Republican Party. Um, you can look uh, pretty much anywhere in the world, and and the the right wing side of of the political divide um, are all pushing pretty much the same block of laws. Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Uganda's fake tax news. Do you want to take this one? Okay. Um, since for everyone's information, sorry, just for everyone's information, Ryan is completely unprepared for today's episode. <laughs> so if he sounds like he's unprepared, it's just because he is. I was prepared for the Facebook thing. <laughs> All right. Okay, go, go, go. Since July 1st, uh, Ugandans have been paying 200 Uganda shillings, which is about five cents a day, to use social media. Uh, whoever didn't pay was blocked from accessing sites and apps like Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and 55 others. Uh, to get around the blockade, many people have been using uh, VPNs rather than paying the social media tax, which is pretty smart. Uh, Ugandans have been protesting the tax online with the hashtag, this tax must go. So check that, check that hashtag out and uh, make some friends from Uganda. Um, offline, the Constitutional Court was petitioned to reverse it. And a brief street protest was held in Kampala. Is that how you pronounce that? Yep. You got it right. First time. Well done. Cool. Uh, The instant outrage seemed to convince President uh, Yoweri Museveni's government to review the tax. Um, So the president met parliamentarians from his party to discuss it. And the result is the tax is staying. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Now, the, the... The whole point of the tax was supposed to be to stop the spread of fake news, um, which apparently can only be done by taxing people to get on social media in the first place. Yeah, the thing about fake news that everyone knows is that it's generally spread by people who don't have any money at all and no large institutional backing or resources so that they can yeah. afford a five cent a day tax. Exactly. It's exactly. just normal, so normal this, ass people. So um, this tax, yeah. the, the, this tax is probably the smartest um, way to approach this. Um, obviously, if if you cut off the head of um, the hydra, uh, then none, nothing else is going to grow back in its place. And um, essentially, you, you know, this is this is not. Um, this is not discriminatory against poor people. Obviously, it's just it's just that you know, if the shoe fits, then then you should throw it out. So yeah, so I think if if we want to solve the fake news problem, what we need to do is establish a law where if you post fake news, um, and how like what is fake news is determined uh, through like a show trial sort of situation uh if you post fake news uh you are instantly killed and that'll yeah i like that i like that i like that um facebook has recently um implemented a new uh little system that that i think isn't terrible um the moment you post something that's been flagged as fake news right underneath it they've got an article from snopes um Telling That's you terrible. whether or not. <laughs> That's I was not like, good at all. I was like, um, 
Okay, so I've got access to the investigation into the thing, but people who post fake news don't read the fucking articles they post. They're they're there for the clickbait headlines. Or they or they do read the articles and you're fucking like libtard you know, nerdy fact checking site is not going to influence their opinion whatsoever. They don't give a shit what you think. Because it's a biased source. I was like, oh my god, Facebook. You guys you guys are so adorable. <laughs> this, this is like um I keep seeing this hashtag in like um Twitter Democrat bios. Fact hashtag facts matter. So fucking stupid because first of all, uh, uh there are plenty of facts fact. that they love to ignore. And and the, the 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 hashtag itself, facts matter, is is untrue. It, it it is very untrue. There is there is so much research showing that um, the use of facts actually entrenches the erroneous belief. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, hashtag facts matter is not a fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Let's let's take uh, my favorite example: the idea that uh, Nader was a spoiler in the 2000 election. The uh, you know like two thousand people in the entire country that voted for Nader like ruined the election for Gore and got Bush elected, even though like you can show them, hey, actually uh, the people that voted for Nader are perfectly divided between uh ostensible democrats and ostensible republicans so even if zero of those people voted for nader uh gore still would have lost because bush stole the election from him and he did not do a statewide recount in florida but they don't care about that they will ignore that and then they'll continue saying that not only did you know, Nader spoiled the election, but Jill Stein spoiled the 2016 election. Even though, damn it. same situation. <laughs> Facts don't matter it, to them if they disagree with their preconceived notions. Likewise, uh, if someone's posting fake news, posting a fucking Snopes article saying, actually, no, this is not true because the facts don't agree with you, they don't fucking care. So, don't, like, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, um, I before we started recording this this um, episode, I was watching Who Is America. Uh, I watched episode one and two back to back. It's it's brilliant. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. Um, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, um, but there there one of the characters that Sasha Baron Cohen plays uh, in his interviews and stuff is this. Um, right-wing parody of uh, library.org. I don't know if you've seen library.org. And, uh, no, but I can already himself- imagine how it's spelled. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he, he rebrands himself as truthberry.org. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, like he does an interview with... Who was that ABC host that was... Um, was disgraced like last year or this year or something. Um, anyway, uh, he has him on the show and he's like, 
Uh, no, but I can prove to you that that Donald Trump had more people at his inauguration than Obama did. Uh, you see, see this picture over here. That's more people than than there were at Obama. And and um, the the dude takes the photograph, looks at it, and he's like, "But that's a that, that's a clock right there that says 11:56 p.m. and this is clearly daytime." And the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but that was during a solar eclipse." And he's like, "Well, <laughs> during a solar eclipse, things would be would be darker." He's like, "No, no, that's a lunar eclipse." <laughs> the guy's like, "No, no, no, a solar eclipse is when the moon gets between." Um, the Earth and the Sun. He's like, no, that's a lunar eclipse. This is a solar eclipse when the Sun gets between the Earth and the Moon. <laughs> so, like, I thought uh, it is such a classic, classic um, representation of exactly what we're talking about here. The facts don't matter to them. Yeah, yeah. If okay, if you want to solve the fake news problem, here's what you do: uh, ban Nazis from your platform. Ban the Facebook Nazis. Would never do that. They ban literally. That's, ban the Nazis. That's, Just ban them. That's literally. That's literally why Facebook lost 120 million. Yeah. Don't, oh, sorry, let, don't let Nazis million. post Holocaust denial shit. No, but but that doesn't violate Facebook's uh, community standards, right? Oh yeah, of course. And, and <laughs> Zuckerberg, okay, you're a bitch. Okay. Yeah, he really is. Okay, so moving on. Um, I try to find some some tax news about South Africa because I'm South African and and yeah, but uh, I couldn't wait, find anything particular because I, I I I'm hoping to expose stupid tax stuff with South Africa. But, but I what does you find being South African have to do with anything? Because no one else is allowed to talk about South Africa. Well, you're American. You're not allowed to talk about South Africa. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you are. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I try to find something interesting, but there really isn't much interesting in the tax world in South Africa at the moment. Um, you heard it from Peter, guys. Uh, nothing interesting happening in South Africa. Uh, but but there is stuff happening. It's just <laughs> not very interesting. Um so South Africa is currently making moves uh, toward going paperless for their taxes. Um, I like that the the, the uh, agency that collects taxes in South <laughs> Africa is called SARS. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, uh, when when the SARS virus first became like public, like the South African Revenue Service, very specifically in all their. Um, media briefings and everything for the next like two years they never referred to themselves as SARS it was only ever the South African Revenue Service in full every fucking time like if they were mentioned 20 times in an article you were going to read the full name South African Revenue Service 20 fucking times um yeah if, yeah, if anyone listening is too young to understand that that joke um in the what was it the early 2000s there was a yeah yeah, there was this thing going around where people were getting severe acute respiratory syndrome, which was called SARS. I don't remember what the actual cause of it was. Some virus or something? Yeah, it was a bioengineered virus, um, which for, since we're on the topic, this week Japan um, executed the last of the people that were, um, that were, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Infected. Um, no, no. The the people that caused uh, a major infection at a railway station in Japan um, in the early 2000s. Uh, oh. Yeah. I don't know what word so, that is. They were convicted. Convicted. Oh. Convicted. And uh, they were sentenced to uh, be executed, and the last of the executions um, happened this week. The The first batch of them were killed um, earlier this month. So, yeah, there's a bit of positive news for you. I had no idea until this week that um, Japan still used the, the capital punishment system oh this is interesting in late 2017 chinese scientists traced the virus to cave dwelling horseshoe bats in the Yunnan province so they just found That's out the cause of it recently ah well anyway it was weaponized and used um in uh, uh what what was a terror attack in japan in the early 2000s um and from oh my there, god it killed us it, it killed a salisbury some have directly attributed something to the death of American James Earl Salisbury. Jesus, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. At least, at least now you've got closure, knowing that that those Japanese uh, extremists were were finally executed by the Japanese state. Yeah. Also, horseshoe bats look kind of badass. You should look them up. I think I will. Because that's fascinating. Um, okay, so <laughs> uh, the South African Revenue Service um, is slated to go paperless as of the 1st of July. Um, I have contacted people in South Africa to confirm this, and none of them pay taxes, so they couldn't. Um, so the way that they're doing it uh, is to encourage peop- um, taxpayers to use uh, their e-filing system um, for uh, all their tax, uh, tax transactions wherever possible. Um, the transactions, together with the filing of income tax returns, payments, and the uploading of supporting documents, can all be done electronically on e-filing with the support of Help You E-File. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but that's really the worst fucking naming scheme ever. Um, uh, and, I would have named uh, it they've also. <laughs> um, so yeah, if the if the taxpayers get stuck, they can they can. In, in, I, I, sorry, I love this. If they get stuck using the e-filing platform, they can go and use the Help You e-file electronic platform, <laughs> which I'm guessing is going to be just as complicated to use as the e-filing system. <laughs> um, so the digital and paperless approach was initiated more than a decade ago uh, when the internet-based e-filing system was made available for the electronic submission of personal income tax returns. Um, uh, I myself uh, was registered for income tax using e-filing, and it, it was a lot better because um, the South African Re- Revenue Service offices are notoriously fucking terrible really really fucking terrible as far as bureaucracies goes they how are, are they going to the fund their government um more cheaply <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um to accommodate uh, larger files um on their e-filing system sars has 
increased the size threshold from two megabytes to five megabytes. Holy crap. I can I almost know. send a PDF document. Uh, no, I, uh, dude, don't push it. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, personally, if I was them, I would have just switched to WhatsApp and just, like, let everyone send in their tax returns by taking a picture and sending it to them on WhatsApp. Oh, look, here's a picture of all my bills. Then they can have their Done. tax system manipulated by Facebook. Yes, yes. Because, like, what, since when is, uh, has Facebook ever been against anyone? You yeah, know what I mean? I don't know. They, 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 they care about us. They put Snopes articles on the stuff we post. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the next one I want to talk about is um, the Netherlands. Uh, or Holland, as some people know it. Um, the Dutch government uh, has begun a public consultation exercise on plans to introduce a new tax on air travel by 2021. Um, so, the the, the I, <laughs> I don't know why they call it a, a two-month consultation. It, it's a weird thing to call something. They've They've put the legislation out there and they want people to comment on it. So they're calling it a consultation. Like. No idea. <laughs> the details of this. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. So the, the tax is uh, €3.80 per passenger per flight. Which like. Which is nothing. nothing. Yeah. That seems extremely low. It says this would raise an estimated uh 200 million euro in revenue which again like it's a huge amount though like if you consider how big europe is and how how much money the european union has it's not a lot you know so this is a lot okay, of money so for the them. gdp of the netherlands is 770 billion dollars uh yeah dollars wait so so a billion is less than a million, right? No, it's not. No? Mm -mm. Nope. Okay, but million is the most, and then you've got lower than that, you've got a billion, and then lower than that, you've got a trillion, right? Um, sort of. You, you have it almost right, except uh, exactly the opposite of that. Well, I'm going to stop listening to you at the point where you said, I've got it right. And yeah, that that uh, works well, I for did me. Say, I did say almost. I did say almost. Um, you did almost say almost. Uh, I think I did say almost. I mean, I'll figure that out when I go back and and do the editing for this. But uh, pretty sure that I I did say almost. Anyway, uh, why does it say it will reduce the tax burden on individuals and businesses? Aren't because taxes supposed to increase the tax burden? I love the fact that I that I actually found this article on a website called Offshore Trusts Guide. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so so that's, essentially yeah. what they're saying <laughs> wow. is what they're saying is um that as part of the news for anyone looking to put their money offshore in a trust account, um Here's some news about aviation tax in the Netherlands that is literally inconsequential to anyone in the EU. It's like, what? Do people follow these websites? 
Oh, I see. According to the government, revenue from the tax would be used to reduce other taxes on individuals and businesses and to fund environmental protection initiatives. So um, here's um, here's a question. Um, why don't they just use the money from the other taxes to fund the environmental protection in initiatives? And if they're reducing the tax burden, doesn't that mean they're collecting less money overall? No. No, Ryan. That's not how... See, this is why you need to go study economics, okay? When you reduce something, it stays the same. Thinky guy emoji right now. Yeah. <laughs> My wife loves that emoji. I get it all the Everyone time. Loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently the government intends to draw up a draft bill on its preferred option and begin legislative proceedings for the introduction um, of this aviation tax later this year. Um, I'm guessing they're going to do that after they've had the two-month consultation. I, I, I'm still boggled by this consultation thing. Like, That's is the it thing like you're, getting... you're boggled about? Not the... I, I don't understand why they're calling it a consultation. Like, if, if I get a business consultant in to come and uh, look at my business and tell me what's wrong with it and how to fix it and whatnot. That's a consultation. If you go into a doctor for a consultation, it's it's to find out what's wrong with you and to help you fix it. Are they busy saying they're going to get the public in on this to tell them what's wrong with it and to fix it? Or are they telling us that it, they put it up on a website for people to read before they implement it later this year? I, I don't I, I don't get it because this doesn't sound like how governments work. Do you know what I mean? Uh, sort of, but I still very much think you were confused about the wrong part. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deliberately trying to be very confused about something and, and you're, you're spoiling my fun, Ryan. <laughs> okay, what else do we have? Oh, yes, I remember this. This was interesting. Um, okay, so the International Monetary Fund. Uh, Fan of the show. Of don't know, yeah, they love us. They absolutely love us. The IMF has recommended that the U.S. should begin using indirect taxes, which is just America speak for, for that. Um, what? VAT. You, you don't know what VAT is? No, I know what a VAT is. I don't know how you can call that an indirect tax. Well, because it's you're not literally direct... the opposite of that. You're directly taxing the people that make stuff. No, Sales tax. Con... Sales tax is an indirect tax. Okay, what's the difference? I, I don't understand. Maybe you can explain it. Because if you're taxing the the production and sale of goods you should be taxing the people that are collecting the revenue from it and not the people that are paying for it if you are taxing the people that are benefiting from the sale of the good of the good that's a direct tax okay but either way it's fucking stupid okay so Let's call it a vet. The, the... <laughs> The, the, the reason the IMF has recommended this is in order to make up for the deficit created by Trump's tax reforms and the approval of increased federal spending. So basically, the poor will have to pay more to fund the tax cuts that are benefiting the rich. Yeah, I could think of another way to make up the deficit created by uh, the Trump tax cuts. 
I'm going to go with a guess and say that your idea involves cutting the tax cuts for the rich. Yes, actually, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Awesome. I'm I'm getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, also in the US, and this is the big one for today's episode, uh, the IRS has said that 501 well, C4 well, well, before we before we get to that I, I don't uh, okay. I don't know how much the poor would have to pay for like compared to a sales tax I think a VAT would be an improvement because like first of all the producers have to pay that first and if if companies raised their prices and said we're doing this because of the VAT which they would definitely do then there will be some amount of resistance to that price increase. And at least some of the the goods that fall under the VAT uh, would get would get less in sales, I think. Okay, so I can And or they wouldn't to... raise they wouldn't raise their prices enough to like first of all to compensate for the VAT. And like if they raise their prices because of the VAT, like wouldn't uh, wouldn't that increase the amount of tax that they have to pay because it's more value added? Okay, so I can only speak from my experience back in South Africa because we have a 14% VAT there. The way it generally tends to work is that with a VAT, you have taxes added on at every stage in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Then, at the end of the, the tax year, Every, everyone in that supply chain will submit their returns in order to get a rebate. That rebate, unless you are an individual that has your own company and you can expense everything that you have spent to your company, you're not getting a rebate. It just doesn't work that way. It it never works out that way. So this means that the end consumer pays the full VAT while every single member of that supply chain is able to go back to the revenue service and say, "Um, well, this is how much I spent. When it's all actually individuals that are above the poverty line that are then able to say, well, give us our money back because this was a business expense. So you follow what I'm able, saying here? So you're saying that they issued a VAT on businesses and then they give them all of the money from the VAT back because it's an expense? No, I'm saying, okay. So let's say I go and I buy a kilogram of sugar. Let's let's keep it simple. In that supply chain for the sugar, there are maybe 20 companies from the first stage of production all the way through to the shipping and packaging and the the final store. I pay 14%, as does everyone else in the supply chain. They have to pay that 14%. That automatically gets um, added on, and Who, it goes they? to uh, and all the all the suppliers in the chain. Okay. They everyone has now paid their 14. percent 
every yep. single small business owner, so the guy that has the logistics company that deals with the, the shipping of the sugar, the, the store where I bought the sugar, the, uh, the guy that has the small processing plant that deals with some sugar because this is a, a, a highly specialized sugar and not one of the major full, uh, uh, companies that is already getting tax breaks elsewhere. Um, every single member of the supply chain in their personal spending, so they, they, they go shopping in their own right, they take their uh, uh, receipts and they submit those receipts as expenses of the company. And at the end of the financial year, they send all those receipts back to the revenue service and say, hey, my personal spending wasn't really my spending. It was spending on behalf of my company. When I took uh, that cup of coffee at that coffee shop, that uh, was a business meeting. When I purchased sugar for myself, it wasn't really for myself. It was to uh, give uh, the staff at my company uh, uh, a coffee break, that kind of thing. So they're not getting the money back on their portion of the supply chain, but they are getting all the money back that they spent in their own personal capacity by saying that it was spent by their company. Does this make any sense to you? Yeah, but it sounds like a totally different issue to me. It it is. It okay. is. But by <laughs> then I am confused. <laughs> but uh, okay, so by putting in place a VAT system, the only people that are not able to take advantage of loopholes in the tax system are the poor because they can't afford to start their own business and say that everything they do was a business expense. Yeah, but that's that's the case whether or not there's a VAT, right? Hmm. The problem is the loopholes, not the VAT. Of course, the yeah, but the the <clears throat> damn it, Ryan. I hate it when you're right and I'm wrong. This is not this is not the way our podcast is supposed to go. Yeah. I, to, I, I, let's let's here's here's our policy suggestion. Um, <laughs> scrap the entire fucking tax system. Institute a uh, a marginal tax of one hundred percent above four hundred thousand dollars and then I don't know, twenty five percent under that. Um and then let's say um, let's say a a ninety five percent capital gains tax, and then um, a fifty percent VAT, and that's it. How big was the capital gains tax in the U.S. It's, before? It's like fourteen percent. But how much was it before Reagan? Oh, uh, let's see. Before, I'm just looking this up real quick. Before 1985, is that that's got to be it? Right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um. Before. I love that Google doesn't Reagan. give us our answers immediately. Yeah. What a fuck. 
Reagan's 1981 cut in the top regular tax cut it to 20%. Um, it doesn't say what it was before. Apparently, he raised it to 28%, which is still extremely low. <laughs> okay, um, I've got a chart. I've got a chart. Okay. So the highest it's been in almost the last 100 years is 35% in the mid-70s. Okay. So and then uh, when Reagan came not in, unreasonable. Not unreasonable at all. So, uh, yeah, Reagan came in and he dropped it by 30, uh, sorry, by 15% down to 20. And then it went back up to around 27, 28% in the late 80s. According to it's the actually, Tax Foundation, uh, this chart that I'm looking at, the, the highest effective capital gains rate was just over 25%. And that was just a peak in 1996. There was another peak uh, during Reagan's presidency where it was just below 25%. But other than that, it's hovered mostly around 15% from yeah. 19, looks like 1960 or 1970 to uh, 2010. Okay, so you're looking at averages, right? Whereas I'm looking no, at the maximum. The, this is the effective capital gains rate, and it's it's a chart over time. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm not believing it because it's terrible. You're probably looking at the nominal rate. This is the effective rate, which means like including all the loopholes that they use to lower their actual uh, capital gains tax. Yeah, the the only the only indication I'm seeing on mine is that it's called the historical maximum capital gains tax rates. Yeah, so, so I I pulled up another chart here, max capital gains rate, and it peaks at forty percent in nineteen seventy six, maybe, and then drops down to twenty five percent for most of the other, the rest of the period. But yeah, the effective capital gains rate is only about 15%. So, so yeah. really, really, like, you could fund 90% of America using just capital gains tax, to be honest. Just shove that baby all the way up to 90% and be happy. Yeah. But, I, again, if you make over $400,000, and I, I think, let's, uh, let's just call... Let's maybe we shouldn't even consider capital gains and income separate. Yeah, I think, I think they should merge those two categories. Any increase in wealth is income, and income is taxed at a hundred percent marginal tax rate above a four hundred thousand dollars, which is extremely generous to the rich, in my opinion. <laughs> I would put it closer to a hundred thousand dollars if, uh, if I wasn't worried about any political will. <laughs> This is the thing, is the rhetoric has been spun so hard um, against capital gains tax by lobbyists that, that want that tax burden reduced and shifted onto the, the middle and lower classes. So, yeah, 
Yeah. In it's case kinda, anyone's it's listening hard who doesn't to already know this, uh, you're never going to be a millionaire or billionaire. Um, it's it's you, not going to happen. Yeah, you should not, you should give up that dream and figure out something else to aspire to. Um, Except, of course, more for, realistic. for... And stop standing for billionaires. Um, the, uh, obviously, the only exception to this is our um, neighbor labor uh, board game group who are going to become billionaires by selling board games but more on that in a future episode yeah if you are going to become a billionaire you should be uh, a leftist billionaire and give all your money to funding uh leftist political movements and by that definition not be a billionaire anymore <laughs> yes yes that would actually be the the best we could do yeah so i i, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure. The highest capital gains tax in the world is paid by Denmark, um, where they pay 42%. That's weird, because if I remember correctly, they have a pretty high millionaire rate there. Yeah. But, but Ryan, how can they be millionaires if they pay such high capital gains? I don't know. I guess that's why they don't have more billionaires. Uh, you see? You see now? You see? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, moving on to what I said was going to be the big story of the day, uh, and we're doing quite well on time, so I think this is good. Um, the IRS has said <sighs> that 501c4 organizations, these are non-profit organizations, no longer need to declare their donors. Now, this is a move that could and by could I mean definitely will have massive political ramifications since this directly allows these organizations to participate in what amounts to illegal political funding. Um, yeah, to be clear, uh, 501c4 is a social welfare organization such as a civic organization or neighborhood association. Um, and let's see, it is allowed to participate in political campaigns and elections as long as their primary activity is the promotion of social wel welfare and related to the organization's purpose. Okay, so that, that, that basically means we're talking about PACs and super PACs. Um, You've heard of let me, those, let me, right? let, me, let me verify that real quick. One of them that I'm very specifically talking about is like Crossroads GPS, um, which is a conservative group co-founded by Carl Rove. Um, and, and, and I mean, we don't just have to look at conservatives. We can go at the other side of the spectrum and look at, at um, organizing for action, uh, which is what President Obama's campaign operation turned into after the 2012 elect, uh, election. Um, now, Often these organizations will have multiple arms, including a nonprofit and a super PAC. Uh, American Crossroads, for example, is a super PAC affiliated with Crossroads GPS. Now, oh, okay, you're reading the yeah. same article as me. Uh, so it, it seems like super PACs are a separate type of organization, um, but super PACs have actually been outspent by 501c4s by a 3 to 2 margin. Yeah. In 2010. Yeah. 
and I mean, there's no reason to think that that's a, a, a declining trend. Oh, yeah. I mean, because of this, it's going to be an increasing trend because now these organizations can be just directly funded by billionaires, uh, probably to far greater levels than, you know, they are able to spend legally through ordinary political donations. And yeah. so, yeah. Sorry, I, I just want to be clear about this. So a super PAC can set up. And they can be a subsidiary of um, a 501c4. In this case, the super PAC is still required to declare its donors. But if its donors are a 501c4, then that 501c4 is under no obligation to um, declare its donors. So some uh, 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 people like the Koch brothers, for instance, can now go and donate to a 501c4, have that money funneled to a super PAC, and no one will be any wiser about how much money was spent by the Kochs. Yeah, so, yeah, if that's possible, then it seems like any, you know, conservative, well, any billionaire who wants to spend more than the, you know, legally mandated maximum uh on on political funding could just you know they they could set up multiple packs that are basically for the same thing and then spend as much money as they want into their 501c4 or whatever and then that 501c4 could then um spend that money into those other packs or maybe if there's spending limits on the 501c4s, then create multiple packs for the same thing and then multiple 501c4s. Exactly. So this, the, this proliferation of 501c4s actually started back in 2010 um, after the Supreme Court, uh, did, you know, the whole Citizens United thing. Um, and directly following that decision, the IRS was flooded with applications um, th that basically doubled the number of 501c4s that existed at the time. A and that's just been ongoing. It's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you're looking at the, the, the next election is probably going to be how much was spent in the 2016 election? Do we know? Um, the only figure that I can recall is I think Hillary spent a billion. I'm sure. at a loss for words. <laughs> wow. Cause and, yeah, and, and I'm just pretty sure she outspent Trump and still lost. <laughs> well, there's that, but w w what really gets to me is I know the figure for the last major Indian election in which, uh, Modi became prime minister. Um, that was the biggest democratic election in history with 800 million people voting. And they didn't even reach a billion dollars spending in total. Yeah, so Hillary Clinton spent uh, $1.2 billion and Trump spent uh, $650 million. So we're talking about so, so she far... spent twice as much as him. <laughs> <laughs> Money well spent, Democrats. <laughs> and apparently, uh, 
the total for the presidential and congressional elections combined is six point five billion. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. It's cool. It's really great. It's really, really great. Yeah. And I mean, this doesn't even include the amount of money that is spent um, on lobbying to to change elections. Yeah, that's just the that's just the campaign spending. Yeah, alone. that's just campaign spending. We're not even talking about gerrymandering now. We're not even talking about any of the bullion issues well, surrounding elections. I I think that in order to get it to fly under the radar as much as possible, there's a fair amount that gets spent on lobbying as well. Yeah. And while um, we're on taxes, while we're on taxes, I, uh, before the show, I was uh, having a cigarette and I I looked up trying to find out how much money was spent on lobbying um, for uh, pro business tax reform. Um, and the closest I could get to a figure was uh, like a half a billion dollars spent in 2016 by the top 50 organizations in the U.S. Like yeah, the, the 50 biggest. lobbying has like a 17 to 1 ROI on it. Which is great. Yeah. Great. So they... they awesome. They probably made about uh, what eight billion dollars on that. You said half a billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they probably made about eight and a half billion off of lobbying. That's cool. Which, which works out if you consider the the tax reforms that have benefited business in the last two years. So yeah, yeah well done, well done, America. Well done. Yep, good shit. We're we're very proud of you for for everything that you do. Um. Okay. So, meanwhile. Across the northern border, Ontario has effectively pulled out of the Canadian Climate Change Action Plan by putting a stop to the carbon cap tax program. Now, to be fair, cap and trade programs are bullshit, but they have not actually offered any program to replace the shitty system. But hey, at least they're polite, right? Yeah. Is this, uh, yeah, Ford, of course. <laughs> oh god yeah so I for really, those who I... aren't up on canadian news uh doug ford is a uh chud who recently was elected uh governor of ontario is it governor i think so um, I, I, I have no idea i didn't know that um canadians had politics <laughs> well the more you know Man, your ringing exactly. is extra bad, dude. My what? The ringing from your mic. Is it? Yeah, it's. I had to turn down my headphones. I still am baffled as to what it's what's causing it. Anyway, I, uh, let's. I think it's. I think it's my plug point, which I'm changing in the coming week. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's move on. I, I think we're starting to run up on where we want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay, so um, in Russia, VAT has increased from 18% to 20%. Uh, corporate property tax for movable property has been abolished. And a gradual increase in the mineral extraction tax on oil and gas condensate in conjunction with the abolishment of export duties 
on oil and oil products will be implemented as of 2019 over a six-year period. Wait, so that last one is a, a gradual increase in the mineral extraction tax on oil and gas content. What the fuck does that mean? It basically means that um, they're taxing the extraction more while getting rid of export duties so that it doesn't cost you anything to export. You pay for extraction. I see. So, so this is the a, implications a tax are, on are... the oil extraction companies and a reduction on... I'm guessing Gazprom is a refinement company and not an extraction company. Well done. You put that together very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so Yay, this is Putin, Putin making more money for Putin. Yeah, that's that's cool. There's nothing corrupt about it, obviously. No, um, I, I know because Trump asked him and he said it wasn't corrupt. So, yeah, that's all good. Uh, <laughs> here's uh, here's Yale economist uh, Nassim Taleb to explain whether or not this is corruption. No, that's not corruption. I'm making fun uh, of John Oliver thing. Oh, okay. And I couldn't think of a name of an economist except for <laughs> <laughs> Nassim Taleb, <laughs> who I don't even think is an economist. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Okay. That, now, obviously. Um, since we've done an episode now on taxes, uh, we shouldn't forget that the U.S. is actively engaging in a trade war with economies from around the world, from Canada and the EU uh, to China. And uh, while the EU, in the meantime, is opening up free trade agreements with Japan, uh, but, you know, trade wars are good and easy to win, said Trump. Uh, it, it, it's not looking like the walk in the park he promised. Um and and his tariffs are looking to affect our crap load of jobs in the U.S., uh, which will obviously end up hurting the U.S. economy a lot more um, than it'll hurt the other side of the trade war. Uh, China isn't known for importing a whole bunch of shit from the U.S., so uh, good luck with that one. Um, the EU has been pushing hard for digital companies like Google, Facebook, and Amazon to pay more taxes, um, which is a move that could give the EU a solid $6 billion bump in income. Uh, of course, our good pal Stevie Mnuchin uh, reckons he's opposed to any legislation that singles out digital companies because they are a major contributor to the uh, US economy. The way, you wrote, the way you wrote his name, it looks like... Stevie Min Mincucken. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a bit of a cuck, so whatever. Stevie um, McCucken. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, that sounds much better. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot more fun to say than Minution. Yeah, Mincushion. Min <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently he thinks that U.S. tech billionaires that headquarter their international businesses in Ireland are the U.S. economy. Fucking idiot. And yeah, that's all the news I have for you today. Um, wait, say that last part again. U.S. tech billionaires yeah. that headquarter their international businesses in Ireland are the U.S. economy. I mean, they kind of are because that's like a tax loophole place, right? Yeah, but if if what he's doing, and if what they're doing is they're setting up their companies, um, headquartered in Ireland. 
for tax purposes, then that money can't really be counted as part of the U.S. economy. The um, the the company has to be separated into into its international and its local. Um, I don't income. know. I'm still too distracted by Stevie McCucken. <laughs> uh, so that'll be the end of the episode. Bye. <laughs> uh, no, we're not saying bye. First, I'm going to tell people to check us out on Twitter and all the other social media platforms. Um, you can find us at Neighbor Science um, on Instagram, uh, Neighbor Science on Facebook. It's at NeighborSciPod on Twitter. Although I'm thinking of Ryan, changing it to McCucken. Which would be, um, <laughs> yeah, a perfect own. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can find Ryan at Handle of Rye without an E at the end and me at BookCheekite. Also check out our Patreon. Um, what is our Patreon? Patreon.com slash NeighborScience. And our website, PostScarcityMagazine.com. I should probably link the Patreon from the website. Gee, I wonder why no one ever goes to our Patreon, Ryan. <laughs> we often forget to mention it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Also, that give us true. a review on iTunes. Uh, only one of our friends has done it so far. And uh, it only takes a few minutes. And it probably helps us somehow, I think. Uh, plus, it would look cool to have good reviews on on iTunes. On I, yeah, yeah, because that's uh, it's a popular platform and all yeah. that shit. I like I like okay. having good reviews of our stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. So okay, uh, Yeah. In conclusion, uh, start five hundred one c fours with the billions that you make from uh, anarchist businesses to fund uh, leftists with dark money and raise the marginal tax rate of the rich two hundred percent. Bye. Also, so that we can lobby against <laughs> the Stop Soros laws. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>